it's just a joke for us. Sorry, everybody. That's a that's an inside joke. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Both of us on the Fantasy Life app at Important Nonsense. Of course, our guy Aiden. Shout out, Aiden, at FF Aware on the Twitter machine. It is Wednesday, November the 7th. Neil, back at our usual time as requested. I don't know if it was. Well, was it requested? I didn't see anybody even notice frankly so, i mean personally I, mean, I don't know if it was requested but i mean i would just assume people will like it more during the wednesday than uh than well it's got to be a lot more it's a lot more relevant i would think than friday afternoon uh but no happy to be back glad glad that uh normal service was able to just resume after uh after last week well we got a ton of news to get into so let's uh recap everything that happened in week nine everything you need to know going into week ten the football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, oh, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it! And stats. Nerd! You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. With the uh, the show being on Friday last week, we did get to mention very briefly that Nick Mullins was the stud star of Thursday Night Football out of nowhere after making an impressive impromptu start for an injured C.J. Beathard. He has now taken over as the Week 10 starter for the San Francisco 49ers. The biggest thing that I took away from that, Neil, is that it doesn't matter who the QB is there. George Kittle is a stud. i got to believe he's a top-five yeah. tight end heading into next season. So does this make you... Uh, yeah, exactly. The The position is just so devoid of talent at this point. Like, with what he's well, done consistently, it's... Uh, yeah, it's I gotta believe he's a top five guy minimum, right? Gronk's been horrible and might retire. Delaney Walker is hurt yet again. There's there's openings for top five, so sure. no, th- not crazy at all that Kittle could come into the season, considering there's three guys you feel good about right now, in Kelsey, uh, Ertz, and uh, actually that might be it. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> so unless, unless I'm guy, immediately yeah. unless I'm missing somebody that might be it. Actually, Kittle, Kittle, Kittle's probably right. the third Kittle's guy probably right there, now. right? It's because that's probably if it's not it. Gronk, it's probably it's, Kittle. Yeah. There's an opening already. So, yeah, it's Kittle, rest of the season, stud. Next season, you're going to have to pay up. But regardless of QB or matchup, that's been the case. We'll see how much of that was Nick Mullins being good and how much of that is the Raiders being just horribly bad. Are you overly optimistic about any other 49ers as potential streamers with so many buys again? Uh, Not really, unfortunately. There's nobody who would really qualify as a streamer. Uh, from the 49ers, to be perfectly honest. I mean, unless you're not really, it's, it's got to just be the honest answer. There's better <laughs> options elsewhere. Yeah, because you know Goodwin has still looked bad. Garcon has not been in sync at all this season. I, I mean, just, running backs. I, just, I don't going, know if they're that affected, really. Well, the issue is too. It's like anybody. You said stream, and there's nobody who would even qualify. So all of those people are owned really? and bad. 
At this point, those guys are still over 50% owned. Brita is. Brita is. Garcon might not be. You might be able to go get Garcon, and he had a touchdown last week with Mullins. But, again, I'm not really trying to count on that week on week. He's been bad and hurt alternating. If that repeats this week, then it's got to be a trend, right? If it repeats and Garcon goes out and gets another touchdown, we'll have this conversation again next week if Mullins goes out and looks good. Because it's a little bit of a tougher test, but it's like baby steps. We're going yeah. from, like, the second-worst defense in football or the worst defense in football, depending on who you're looking at, to bottom Whoa, don't seven forget about Tampa the Giants. Bay. That's what I'm saying. It, it, but worst is either, is either the Raiders, because they don't try. Sorry, Raiders, but that, that's what that looked like. And, or Tampa Bay, because they just aren't competitive. Hey, they try. You go They're trying to, the to get Gi- that number one pick. Yeah, okay, that's true. They're trying to do that. <laughs> but then you go up a little bit to the Giants. So it'll be a little bit more of a test, but... I mean, if, it's still not a good – it's still a great matchup, and you're still looking at it like, eh, I think that speaks volumes about it, frankly. Maybe Garcon. Breed, I guess I could see, too, because of running back being so thin. It makes sense that he's still – I'm going to look that up while you – I'm going to look this up, and we're going to circle back, but I think Breed is still too heavily owned to qualify. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, A.J. Green – Follow-up from last week. Last week we had reported that A.J. Green dealing with some kind of foot injury after he was sporting a walking boot during the team's bye week. Adam Schefter has since reported that he's dealing with a toe injury. He will avoid surgery for now is the key there because he's going to miss at least the Bengals' next two games. Then they'll reevaluate and see where he is. Given what we know, honestly, you know, putting on my doctor's cap this sounds like a toe sprain it it just if he's in the walking boot for stability it sounds like a grade two sprain which is about a three to six week full recovery it is incredibly painful for him to walk and make the moves and cuts he needs to make so depending on the severity is really how long he's going to be out and how long this could derail his entire season the time off to recover he's not going to have time to fully heal in just the two weeks when he comes back, if he can manage the pain, he can play through it with the toe taped for more stability on the field. He'll be back on the field in three to four weeks. Again, not at 100% though, and this is like what we saw last year with Julio Jones late in the season. He was dealing with that foot injury that was a foot sprain, and he was dealing with uh, no no ability to make a cut. You saw in the playoffs he was doing the toe tapping and back to 100%, and we were like, oh, where was this all into, into the season? But that could be the case here for A.J. Green. Again, I'm just speculating, but that's what it seems like it is here to me. So now, if you're an A.J. Green owner, you're certainly concerned if you're looking at a minimum of two games without him. However, the biggest thing for me is, what what's the outlook here for the new Cincinnati number one receiver in Tyler Boyd? Because, I mean, this week he's got New Orleans secondary, which, my God, we've seen what they can do. So he's rated as a wide receiver one across multiple platforms. Rest of season, he's rated as a top 20 guy, even when Green comes back, if he comes back. And he's currently 14th in uh, PPR points for wide receiver. So for uh, Tyler Boyd, Neil, are you looking at his value going up, even going down because maybe the corner matchup's getting more difficult, or just staying neutral where it's been? I, uh, I'm going to put a period on this 49er conversation real quick, by the way, just to circle back to that before we get too far away. Uh, the only person who would qualify is Garcon. No one okay. else qualifies on that team. So we we were right about right. that. Yep, that's fair. Uh, and we'll reevaluate Garcon next week. Um, as far as Tyler Boyd is concerned, uh, 
I mean, yes. he has to go. Thank you, sir. He has to go up this week because it's the 49 It's the, uh, I don't think about 49ers. It's right. the Saints. <laughs> it's the same, yeah. And they just, he's going to play out of the slot, the theory. So the theory goes, he's going to continue to try and play out of the slot. And the Saints are absolutely atrocious at trying to cover anything even resembling remotely slot play. That's where they're the weakest. It's how you would attempt to do that. So for one week, sure, go ahead and move them up. I mean, I have some serious concerns about the Bengals going to bangle. And this is where they just start self-destructing in true Bengal fashion because they just everybody just double covers and bracket covers Boyd and makes you try to beat them with Erickson, who we have not seen enough sample size on, at least I haven't, to tell you what that is. And then John Ross, who most people, I think, would say is trending being a total bust. So you're, And then it goes all the way down to CJ Uzama. so fast. And then the only person that's got anything right. There's a, the only other person that has anything in the tank at that point is mixing. So, yeah, one week, sure. You want to rate Tyler Boyd nice and high because he's got a really great matchup? Feel free. You going to start him this week? Yeah, I don't see how you couldn't be. So I get it, one week. Rest of the season, I think it's kind of a push. Because the cornerback matchups, as you pointed out, not everybody is the Saints who's, who can't cover. Right. So it's they're not going to be doing that every week. So it's gonna be, he's going to draw the harder matchup now where he was feasting against people's two and three options. That's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, there's no one so, protecting uh, his value I will anymore. be a little surprised. I will be surprised, personally, if he can get up to where A.J. Green was without A.J. Green being on the team. Yeah. It means I will have to reevaluate how I look at Tyler Boyd moving forward. Because I view him as a solid wide receiver, too. And if he can actually do the wide receiver one thing with no help at all, then we're going to have a different conversation about Tyler Boyd going to next year, for sure. But, I mean, huge boon to Tyler Boyd owners, you know, possibly. What I think is more likely is we just it just kind of pushes and evens itself out throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I would agree to that. I don't think it will downtick from uh, what he's been. I just think it's because, uh, like you said, the the t- he'll get more targets. So, yes, he will draw tougher matchups, but because of the increased target share and increased workload and potential yardage, he uh, he'll probably balance out to be about where he already is. If someone – look, we're getting close to the trade deadline. We're getting close to playoff push. If you've got Tyler Boyd out there and someone is seeing this and saying, whoa, he's the number one guy and wants to pay you number one wide receiver value for it, I would completely sell high if I could on Tyler yeah. Boyd. Like if somebody wanted to give me Devontae Adams or something like that, someone, you probably well, couldn't get quite that well, high. No, I'm just but saying, I would if someone totally wants to give that. you A.J. Green level uh, payback because they think, oh, he's just going to take A.J. Green's role, then yeah, I would take that 100%. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Meanwhile, Sam Darnold has been ruled out for week 10. Darnold dealing with a severe neck sprain. He was sporting a walking boot, and Jets beat reporter Manish Mata is reporting that they're hopeful that Darnold can be ready for the Patriots in week 12, that fierce rivalry, when they get back from their bye. They have the bye week in 11 next week, so... They're not overly optimistic he can be ready by then, though, is the concern. So, will not play this week, out through the bye. Hopeful he'll be back in week 12, but they're not sure he can even be back by then. The ageless Josh McCown takes over in his place as the starter. Look, a lot of DST streaming value against the Jets has been the rookie mistakes of Sam Darnold, and the Bills were a sexy pick 
heading into the waivers. So with the news that Darnold is out, the old vet now at the helm, are you hesitant at all to stream the Bills this week? My answer to this is, look, there's still a good streaming option because it's McCown on short notice with, look, it's McCown. You know what's going to happen here. He's either going to come out and look confident, in which case the Bills will probably still get you something positive because he's still going to turn the ball over a couple times because it's McCown. It's what he does. And you're just not going to get the total disaster that you were hoping for, which is what the Jets have looked like the last couple weeks with Darnold. So I think it will be – I think it down ticks it slightly, but I think it's – there's still – even with this, I think there's still a viable streaming option. Before I had the Jets and the Bills both as streaming options and like a coin flip, now I favor the Bills – or I'm sorry, the Jets defense over the Bills. Well, the Jets was outpacing the Bills anyway in most platforms. Yeah. The Bills have been trending around like five, and I'm saying this news may – for me, I'd move them from like five to six or five to seven. Sure. Yeah. That's, Depending that's on what else is me. out there, yes, I would – Dip them I down. already would have had it two to five. I dip them like two spots down, maybe. I just find it hard to trust the Bills after they've been they just got plastered by the Bears at home, and now they're on the road in yeah, the divisional sure. game. So, and now you got McCown. Like the the whole juicy part of it was just uh, Darnold and the rookie and making the mistakes he's made recently. And now, yeah. if you've got McCown, who's the veteran, who's been in that system for what three years now. I mean, it's something not like, like he's got a learning curve or something. He he gets snaps still. No, he no, knows no. everything about the offense. It's yeah, it's just McCown. He's gonna he's either gonna. If anything, this makes me feel better about Jets streamers. It... Elijah McGuire, Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, well, if you could go and get the Chargers, I would do that anyway. Over all of this, sure. And they're available in like sixty something percent of leagues. Oh yeah. So there's a real the Raiders, chance the Chargers are out it. there. Yeah, I would rather the Chargers over any of this, but. Uh, I'm not totally discounting the Bills at this point. It's it's a it's a it's a setback, but not a not a crushing one for me. Meanwhile, Sammy Watkins dealing with a foot injury. He had an MRI that showed no major issues. Status for this week is certainly in doubt, and with them having playoff and Super Bowl aspirations and a Week 12 bye on the horizon, they could play it cautious with their big time free agent acquisition, holding him out till potentially Week 13 if need be. Look, if you're a Sammy Watkins owner, you kind of knew the injury history and the risk going into this. You've been lucky to get a pretty good season out of Sammy to this point. Are you looking for a... I he's been pretty good. I would think you'd have to have a backup plan anyway just because he's Sammy Watkins. But with the trade deadline approaching, as we talked about, are you looking for a long-term fill-in because it is Sammy Watkins? Well, again, that question is self-defeating because you kind of already... Like, if you knew it was Sammy Watkins, you would have already had a backup plan for Sammy Watkins, I would imagine, in like 90% of cases, right? Let's assume you didn't. No, I'm looking for like a three-week something Band-Aid if I can get one, because I think it'll ultimately be fine. I think he dodged a bullet here. But that being said, we will find out more information as the week goes on, because it doesn't seem super serious, but again, it's Sammy Watkins. So I don't know that I'm looking for a of rest of season solution necessarily. Uh, but you definitely need to get like a three week band. I would just say if you're minimum. counting on Sammy Watkins as a week in week out performer for you, it's worked thus far. But if the way you drafted your team, like for how far he fell in drafts in ADPs, he was going in like the fifth or sixth round at one point. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. If, if you're counting on Sammy Watkins as a weekend week out performer, and he was a guy you waited that long on, and it took that. The team that you had behind him, you had to really hit on some kind of home run off of waivers, or you got lucky picking up somebody good, or 
or you grabbed a, a late round flyer that's panning out for you, something that would have to help you. Because otherwise, if he was drafted to be a starter on your team, I got to feel like you don't have much better options already. And I would have to think you got to be cautious here because, like you said, it's Sammy Watkins. Just his injury yeah, history would scare me if I'm relying on him anyway. If you went out and you wanted to get a, a band-aid, uh, beyond a band-aid and get something rest of season, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. But to your point, it gets into everybody's individual roster. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're kind of, now we're splitting hairs into people's individual sure. roster construction. Meanwhile, Geronimo Allison is done for the season after missing last week's game. Ian Rappaport reported that Allison would be sidelined for at least six weeks with his groin injury. After multiple consultations with different physicians, he decided to undergo the season-ending groin surgery, and the Packers have in, put him on IR, officially ending his year. The prime beneficiary of the injury seems to have been rookie wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS, as the kids say these days, Neil. He was a big waiver ad this week, and he should see an increased workload and target share for the rest of the season. Are you buying into the MVS hype, or was this just a flash in the pan in a game they had to keep chasing the Patriots? No, no. Everybody feel free to check out the waiver wire column. That was my number one receiver pickup for the week, and it was largely to do with if Geronimo Allison is going to not play, then it it seems like they're developing some sort of rapport at this point, and the Packers need somebody with Scantling's skill set which is be fast and run down the field and try and take the top off a of defense because Randall Cobb can't do that anymore. And that's not Devontae Adams game. So to me, it looks like they're trying to make this work. And typically when they try and do that with a guy, uh, you earn the trust of Aaron Rodgers. Good stuff starts to happen for you. So I had him as my number one uh, pickup for Edward receiver for this week, just for that reason. Cause I think there's something cooking here uh, rest of the season. Yeah, my only concern about MVS is he's the home run guy, and I'm always nervous about the home yeah. run guy. Always, he'll but get I mean, it's... five targets a game, but they're all 40 yards down the field. Right, right. So the volume certainly won't be there. So PPR or standard doesn't really matter because he's going to give you basically the same thing either way. But if he can hit it, then he'll hit the big one and cash in for you big time on you making that play. He's a home run swing, a la. Deshaun Jackson, or uh, who's another good with Ted Ginn when he was still healthy? I was going to say Ted Ginn if he was still healthy yeah, is a is an interesting one. There's several others as in this type of vein of like people that are just giant home run. Uh, Mike Williams is who I'm thinking of. Mike Williams mm -hmm. for the Chargers yeah. is like that. So that's a that's it's that it's in that vein, but of that vein, give me the guy with Rodgers throwing him the ball. Sure. So that's kind of where we end up with it. Meanwhile, with the Golden Tate void at wide receiver, the Lions signed former Texan Bruce Ellington. The reason this is fantasy relevant is uh, because of the subsequent roster move they made. They had to cut Amir Abdullah, former fantasy darling, preseason wonder, Amir Abdullah, <laughs> cut to waivers, Neil. He was immediately claimed off waivers by division rival Vikings, which I thought was actually an interesting move for them. Given Dalvin so Cook's struggle with his uh, injuries, it's possible he could have a role if slash when Dalvin Cooks is hurt again. 
even still, it's just something to note, I think, more than anything to act on. I wouldn't add him for a roster spot at this point. No, no. And even no. then, when Cooks goes no. – th- this is one of those things that you kind of just got to keep in the back of your mind. Because if Cooks goes down with another injury, long-term, whatever, Latavius Murray will be the guy and he'll be the name everyone's looking at. And you can probably sneakily add Amir Abdullah off your waivers for dirt cheap without anyone knowing. Like, why would you add Amir Abdullah before they realize that they go out in the game and he's catching, like, five passes a game being the scat back since Latavius Murray cannot do that? We That's been yeah, they got go enough back sample to size what they that. did last year. Yeah, they go back to what they did last right, year. Right, the two-headed monster. Latavius yep. Murray runs the ball, and then uh, Amir Abdullah is going to run out there and catch yeah, it. Be the Jarek McKinnon. Try and be Jarek. Try and be Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, we'll see if that turns into anything. But yeah, I agree with that. Don't you don't need to waiver claim him right now. But if Cook was to go down, suddenly that's that becomes a yep. thing again. Meanwhile, the Pats recovering from injuries. They had a few notable guys miss last week. Both Sony Michelle and Rob Gronkowski missed Sunday night's game against the Packers. They're both back practicing today. They both appear to be on track to play this week. Perhaps the most interesting development out of that game, for me at least, Neil, was from the backfield. So with no Sony Michelle and with James White dealing with an injury of his own out there, Corderell Patterson took a majority of his snaps from the backfield. He had 61 yards rushing on 11 carries, including a red zone carry touchdown. How about that? Ran only two routes the entire game. He got a target and a catch for seven yards. ESPN's given him that coveted flex tag, making him eligible as both a running back and wide receiver on your rosters. Look, if you're skill player desperate, given the new intriguing role for Corderell Patterson and what Bill Belichick's doing, are you interested on a flyer for Corderell Patterson? Uh, I'm possibly the wrong person to ask about this as my history with uh, Corderell Patterson <laughs> is very checkered uh, in this regard. It's one of my worst fantasy calls of all time. Uh, and I was yet, I was correct that he would get into the NFL after playing one year of Juco and one year at Tennessee. And I'm like, he's going to go to the NFL. <laughs> Not an ounce of route running in that man. Such an athlete. Not one ounce of route running. Can't do it. But it is no is the answer to that, by the way. Because da 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 Sony Michelle looking like he's back on track this week. I think it goes back to what it was. I think Patterson goes down to, yeah, he's gonna get some carries, but I think he's probably gonna get three to five, seven maximum touches per game, and it's just not enough. I, I like I like the conversion. I like the patriotsness of this move. It's a very I think it's a better football move than it is fantasy move. I'm not super interested in rostering Cordero Patterson unless either James White or Sony Michelle got seriously hurt. If that happened, we had this conversation very differently where it's like, no, now now you got to get him. What's interesting for me, I'll say, first of all, is the fact that, yes, he still runs routes. Uh, when Sony Michelle is back, he will go back to running occasional slot plays and being a wide receiver, taking deep shots when Josh Gordon isn't on the field. So that does give him some value still, even when everybody's healthy. Then he's got the rushing, and remember, he still does kick and punt returns for them. And those touchdowns count yeah. in fantasy. Oh, he plays a lot. So That's yeah, the he's thing. on the field he's a ton. Way better for NFL player than. Fa- Way better NFL player than fantasy player at this point in his career. So it's definitely one of those home run worth a shot type things. But would you rather have him or Kenyon Barner is probably the better question. Oh, I think Kenyon Barner's done. So that's not really 
Like, I think they got a look at Kenyon Barner and saw what he actually can do in the game. And they were like, yeah, let's convert a wide receiver to a running back and try that because this looks like garbage. So, that, so, yes, anyone I would say anyone that's been holding on to Kenyon Barner, you can drop him and pick up Corderell Patterson and he can give sure, you so you much that, more value. If you want to do that. Oh, that's a that's a much better roster move than holding on to Kenyon Barner. You don't need Kenyon. Yeah, Barner anyone anymore. that's been that's, holding that's Kenyon Barner on as like a flyer type thing. I think you can just go ahead and get Patterson instead that I think that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not really interested in Patterson by itself. Cool story, but unless somebody was to get actually hurt. But if I'm dropping Kenyon Barner to do it, oh, we're doing that. Doing that all day. Meanwhile, Neil, it's my favorite topic of the season. It's the saga of Le'Veon Bell continuing. First of all, need to drop I got to uh, I got to throw out a my bad because I need to apologize to everybody for passing on ESPN's misinformation. As uh, as we've talked about this several times this year, and it's it's just yes, we... it's not just this year. It's from years of getting information from them that uh that's built up over time that apparently they've had wrong forever, and uh that's been lodged in my own brain, and because of that we have passed on bad information to you. So I apologize for that. My understanding of the CBA was that in order for Bell to be eligible for free agency. He had to report by this week, week 10, and I was wrong on that twice. First of all, apparently he has to sign his contract by the Tuesday after week 10, not during week 10, as we've talked about before. So he has still another week to show up and sign his contract. He has until the 13th. Second of all, I was going off the information ESPN and other news outlets have reported that to be a free agent, he had to report this season. Otherwise, his whole contract would be void, and he would not be able to become a free agent. He'd still be restricted to the Steelers. Well, upon further review of the CBA, it turns out he's already played for the team four years, and as part of the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, he becomes a free agent regardless at the end of the season if he shows up or not. So it's possible after all of that that he could sit out the entire season and still get his wish of becoming a free agent. Now, the Steelers have said that they intend to put the transition tag on him. The transition tag would mean he would be able to go out into free agency, find a team that wants to sign him, sign an offer sheet, and then the Steelers can either match that offer sheet or let him go. If no team gives him an offer sheet, he would get about $9 million next season with the Steelers. That makes the whole situation so much murkier than we ever could have imagined. We thought we were near the end of this story, Neil, and uh, it, it seems like it's still going. No, they tacked a year onto it. What are you talking about? They just tacked another year onto this. We're, that's why I said we need to drop, because it's going to be a permanent fixture for the next 300 and year and a half almost, because this year's not even over. So, no, this as the world turns, like sands through the hourglass, so does our Le'Veon Bell story. It's just going to keep rambling on. And, uh, yeah, that's our bad. Uh, ESPN didn't really apologize for getting this wrong, so we will. And it's our fault for not actually reading the CBA ourselves, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's our bad. Because in my mind, this would have changed the entire analysis. Yep. Had I known that this was a, a, a thing, I would have been saying at the beginning of the year, how could you draft him? Yep. Like, you, you, you just couldn't have owned him. It would have been like, nah, the risk on this. You could you you could have gotten he would have fallen way off in drafts. It would have changed everything. So it's a unfortunately we're all stuck and caught in it now. 
Um, so the question change, now like is, I said, so he has to sign by Tuesday. And what that deadline means is if he signs by Tuesday, then he's officially, in the eyes of the CBA, played a full season. So he would be active for the rest of the year. He would be on their roster for the rest of the season. He's walked away from $8.5 million. He would get $6 million the remainder of the season for games accrued. So it's it's not that much money compared to what he could have been. It's it's interesting to say $6 million isn't that much money, but still. It, well, when you also say he's walked away from eight. Yeah, he's walked away from eight already, and a half. He'd be coming back for six. If he signs by Tuesday, like I said, it'd be a full season. He would become an unrestricted free agent. They'd have no control over him whatsoever. He could just walk away. Uh, and if they put the transition tag on him regardless, then it doesn't really matter if he comes back or not. Signing on this Tuesday, like I said, just makes it a full season for him, which apparently doesn't matter one way or another. He could come back in week 13 or week 14 or just specifically the NFL playoffs. He could come back whenever he feels like it since he doesn't have to come back by the week 10 deadline. And look, reportedly he's already left Miami. He sent out that weird tweet. Then he was seen playing pickup basketball earlier today in Pittsburgh, but he still hasn't talked to anybody on the team. If he wasn't going to report to the team, I don't know why he'd bother going back to Pittsburgh at all since he lives in Miami. So why would you leave Miami where you're training and go back to Pittsburgh just to hang out in Pittsburgh? That doesn't make much sense to me. But if his goal is really to preserve his body for free agency and for the long term, and we've already talked about he doesn't have to play at all this season in order to get that free agency, then if you're him... Why bother coming back? I I genuinely don't. I have no idea. It, it it is completely confusing to me with this new information about how this is actually all going to work. Maybe he wants to come back and prove to the rest of the NFL. Maybe somebody's in his ear saying to him, "Hey, you want to collect that six million so you can get?" But correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Let's just nail something down. Even if he comes back, they can still put the transition tag on. Yes. Him, correct. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought you said. So. If that's how that's actually going to go, I don't see the point in doing any of this because I'm going to just – I don't know. Maybe it's all unrelated. It would be the Kirk Cousins thing At this point, thing anything again. could it, be possible. It would be the third year in yeah. a row they put the franchise tag on him, and in that case, he would be making somewhere like $20 million next year as a running back. Right, and the whole point of this is to not pay him $14 million. Right, so they would put the so transition tag on him. Because then he can still explore free agency, and they can either match whatever offer he gets or just let him go to whoever gives him the biggest contract he can find. So that either way, they have the option to keep him or not. Since clearly he can't negotiate with them, if he goes out there and sees what the market is, comes back to them with an offer and says, look, the best offer I could find was this, and they'll say, okay, we'll keep you for that and have James Conner on the back burner or good luck, see you later. And if one yeah, way or another, or that's it, the resolution. Yeah. If one way or another, that's where we're heading. If you're him, why bother? Why come back at all? The only thing I can think of is if somebody's in his ear saying, you got to play at some point this season so people can, other teams can get a look at you and make sure you're not done. So you can go out and get that money. Uh, you can go out and get that money uh, in the offseason like you want to. I would just say, I would that's say a, this. It's though. a high stakes game. It's, it's, it's but, a I weird mean, it's, game they're playing. Because, like I said, given this new information, he could show up in week 13 or 14 
and it wouldn't matter because the same thing's going to happen regardless. He still gets the free agency. They still put the transition tag. The same thing happens over and over again. It doesn't yeah. matter. Well, and he comes back in week 13, 14. You're trying to start him either in a playoff matchup or a game you might need to win to go to the fantasy playoffs, depending on your format. Well, no, I'm like saying that, but we get to I there. Think our resolution is now. Because <laughs> I, I, I have to believe the only reason he would come back now is to get that full rest of the season get the official full season in and be part of the team the rest of the year. You and I both said at the beginning of the season, if he comes back, signs his contract, gets traded, okay. If he doesn't do that, I don't see how he can play for this team again. After everything that's happened, I just don't see how he ever suits up for them again. I don't. After the fans came after him, after the players in that locker room came after him, his own offensive lineman, people he needs to block for him to make sure he doesn't get killed, play for the Steelers anymore. I don't, I don't think it's possible. So if he doesn't show up this week, I just don't think he's showing up at all, and that's just the end of it. I think we're at, yeah. Well, also I think we're very much at the point too where it's like, look, trade deadline is coming up. His fantasy season is is about done either way. We're getting to the point where it's going to matter more for the Steelers than it does for fantasy football really rapidly here. Because even though he's a running back and you can plug and play, then we have to sit here and have the conversation about what do you do with James Conner? Are they splitting the job? Like, what are we doing now? We had a formula. It was this guy's doing it. I also have to believe it. if you're the Steelers and he oh. and even if he does come back, the way he's kind of slapped your organization in the face, I mean, I would have to believe James Conner's the guy. And Le'Veon's just the backup. The way he's played the season, like he started it. Yeah. James Conner is your future running, starting running back. We all know that. And they all know what Le'Veon Bell has done for them. And for that city, there's absolutely no shot to me that after 10 weeks of playing the way he has played for Le'Veon Bell to walk in off the street and they say, okay, kid, take a seat. There's no way they would. Mike Tomlin would completely lose that locker room. There's no shot they do that. Even if he does come back, I think he's the backup. Uh, yeah, no, probably. I, I, I just gotta believe that's done. So one way or another, we're gonna get a resolution. I want to avoid the whole week, thing. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I hope for everybody. To be perfectly honest, he sits out, sticks to his guns, tries to get the rest of his money. They transition tag him in the off season because I have a feeling that somebody will offer him more than the Steelers can. Yeah. The restitution that he is, or close to, that he is looking for to get him out of Pittsburgh, and we'll have a different conversation at that point. Meanwhile, Des Bryant today officially signed a one-year deal with the Saints. Worked out for the team on Monday. He left the facility without a contract, but Sean Payton, who has always been a big Des fan, he, uh, as well as the New Orleans brass, they came away very impressed with that workout he had. The two sides are negotiating a deal all last night. It was reported late last night that they were close to getting a deal done. They made it official today. Look, he wanted three things. He wanted a one-year prove-it deal that had a good QB on a contender with a chance to beat the Cowboys. And the Saints give him all those things and then some. So uh, Des Bryant signing is a, a big takeaway from this week, and we'll get more into that with our uh, our Devil's Advocate coming up. Here. Foreshadowing. There you go, Neil. Foreshadowing drop. All right. So, again, shout-out, as always, to uh, Aiden, Daily Awareness. Check him out, at FF Aware. Good work again last week. I'm going to have to start giving that guy kickbacks. The, the DraftKings money. Can you send people money through DraftKings? Or is that, like, 
Can't do no, that. Nah. no. But that's why pay. That's why they invented PayPal. Yeah, well. But then I'd have to cash out my DraftKings balance, and it's just. That mm, seems, yeah. seems like you effort. Have to wait. You know? <laughs> Click three buttons and wait. But speaking of that, Des Bryant news. Let's get into Devil's Advocate. May I play Devil's Advocate for a moment? It's time for some Devil's Advocate. Who the devil are you? Debating the topics. There's still one thing that doesn't make sense. The community is talking about. Now, what were we talking about? (laughs) All right, Neil, we got about ten minutes to run through Devil's Advocate here, so go ahead, take the wheel. No, yep, we're going to blast through Devil's Advocate quick, because there's actually only one substantive topic, I think, here. But there were three. The first up, the Lions, and just the panic. Oh, my God! <laughs> Why? Exactly. Exactly. The panic that set in sweeping the Internet last week over just the Lions' inability to protect Matthew Stafford, frankly, is where it all stems. Kenny Galladay has another bad day. The trading of Golden Tate, a lot of people that own Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay were like, great, more targets. Everybody's going to be, you know, wide receiver twos, both of them, moving forward. And they were both pretty mediocre, and Stafford spent the whole day on his back. So everybody just started panicking. So there's two ways to look at it in this sense. People seem to be drawing up lots. One is, well, as we've referenced already, the trade deadline is coming up, and so you just dump all your lines if you can dump it. And the other way is, no, you stand pat with your lines. You just you just accept the fact that they got their bell rung by a better team, and you just you just stick to it and hope for uh, hope for the future. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, Steve, you have a preference here? Nope. All right, cool. I'm gonna go ahead and do uh, stick with the Lions. Okay. And just look, it's a one week anomaly. Show up to play, started getting wrecked, and then it just continued. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody is just completely flying off the handle. Stafford, before the bad game, had only had one other bad game. It looked a lot like that week one game, and then they righted the ship after that, and he's had straight 20s. Better days are coming. Schedule's not great, but it can't really get worse than that. All right, so that's, let's look at the, the next couple of games here. So we're expecting... This is where we're going to go. Big, this is where we get good. <laughs> yeah, we're expecting some big numbers for Marvin Jones and for Kenny Galladay, as we talked about. And now... They had that matchup last week uh, against the Vikings. Tough division matchup. All right. Now what's coming up for them? Bears, Panthers, Bears, Rams. That's their next four games. I don't like any of that. Those are all scary defenses with good secondaries who can shut people down and, oh, by the way, can continue to kill Matt Stafford. So if if he can't get rid of the ball in time... (laughs) How is he supposed to throw the ball to these guys? How are they supposed to get it and get open? I don't see how they're going to be able to produce many fantasy points going forward just based on schedule. Yeah, and to be honest with you, if you can't already tell, that's what I believe. I mean, if your O-line's going to play like that, you're going to get killed. Yeah, if the O-line doesn't get be better, it's going to be rough. Do anything. However, I would say if somebody wants to sell low on get Marvin Jones shape, or Kenny Galladay here at your trade deadline in the next couple weeks, I would buy in on that. Because they still have yeah, the talent, necessarily... upside, and the ability. Look, yeah. especially like I just laid out, Bears twice, Rams, Panthers, good possibility they're down by 20-plus points in those games, and they're just hucking the ball around in the second half. That's what I think you're counting on here. So yeah, that's that's where I go with the lines, which is 
they're going to try and run the ball and fail, start getting down by a billion, and it's going to look like a Tampa Bay game. But, yeah, if somebody is trying to get rid of Kenny Galladay for nothing, do that. And Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones. I mean, you're looking at, like, I think now the floor has moved up to about a 12, given the extra targets. But the ceiling is 32. So that's the that's always the handy thing about Marvin Jones is that there is upside there. When they do go hurry up and he catches a couple of those deep shots, uh, he's paid you off in the past. So that's the Lions, unfortunately. Topic two, Chris Carson. Panic? And the reason we bring this up oh is because we covered it in the news. Why? I need to do, I need to, oh, we'll have to record one of those that's more like, with more of a question mark inflection. Oh, okay. Uh, but the, uh, with Chris Carson, we already all knew he's beat up. It's unfortunately kind of been part of his game, uh, in his early career here. But he's got that hip injury. We could have brought this up again in the news section, but it isn't really new news because he's had that hip injury. But he was forced out last week. He seems to have re-aggravated it. And in his stead, Mike Davis looked Really good, actually. Really serviceable. He had seven receptions. And if you would have told me that Mike Davis had seven receptions going into the start of that game, I'd have drug tested you. Because I'd have <laughs> what? Even if he gets hurt, how's he going to catch seven passes? I don't know that that's completely repeatable, but if they're willing to throw him the ball uh, and he's going to get the start, is there a chance that Chris Carson's injury could get him while he pipped here? I've seen a lot of, a lot of people theorizing that, look, Pete Carroll's a wily one. And it doesn't take a whole lot. All of a sudden you find yourself in the doghouse with him and he's just going to ride the hot hand off into the sunset. So Chris Carson panic. And, uh, I'll do the, uh, I'll do the stand pat with Chris Carson side here. Okay. So look, you knew Chris Carson was injury prone when you married him. You can't come to me now and then complain. <laughs> like you should have known this and had a backup plan. Okay. If you were that desperate, you could have had Mike Davis at any point this year for nothing. So shame on you, first of all. Second of all, uh, you got to hold on to Carson because when he's actually played, even when he's been beat up, he's been the guy. He's been getting all of the meaningful touches. Rashad Penny has actually been averaging five yards when he does get a, a touch after the brutal start to his season. So not all hope lost on that yet, but he hasn't really been a factor. Mike Davis has barely even been playing when Carson's been out there. So you have to imagine that, yeah, it's a setback. And if they don't play him this week, which is trending that way, fine. But don't cut Carson and don't trade Carson at the trade deadline at this point because you will never get what he's actually worth. No one is going to be willing to give you with him being hurt now. So at this point, you're just stuck. And it's okay, hopefully, but there's not a whole lot you can do with that piece. You're going to have to just ride it out with it. But when he comes back, you're going to go right back to getting those 15 points again because that's just what we've seen from him. When he's not hurt, he's great. And even when he's a little bit hurt not you know, and still playing, he's still good. So that's that's the argument for standing pat with Chris. Curry. The other end of it here, the panic is the reason that I'm not interested in any of them, and it's because Pete Carroll is a ride the hot hand type of guy since Marshawn Lynch. That's nice left. Point. Yep. So, oh, yeah. it's entirely possible that, like you said, the Wally Pippin here, like Chris Carson plays well. All of a sudden, he gets hurt and he's out, and Mike Davis is red hot, and now Mike Davis gets more touches than anyone. The only guy that hasn't dominated touches to this point is Rashad Penny. And it's obviously not that they hate Rashad Penny or that he's been overly terrible. It's just he's never put a, together a hot stretch in any of these games. If he figures it out and gets good in one of these upcoming games, all of a sudden he's the guy that's going to get all the touches and all the pass catches. And Carson and Davis are going to do nothing. Like, 
it's just it's a three-headed monster that can change on a moment's notice, and I can't trust any of it, and I don't want any of it. And I would agree with all of that in real analysis, by the way. It's not something I'm super into. Chris Carson had value, and we had been saying that going into the season, and he's more or less paid off where you and I felt like you would. But with him being hurt, now it just throws everything into chaos. It's all chaos. And frankly, the one I would weirdly almost feel best about is if Rashad Penny did get hot at some point, that I would feel better about because at least in theory, in theory, that's your first round draft pick. If he's making strides and showing you he can carry the load, in theory, that's where you would want to force your attention, right? Honestly, Even Pete here's Carroll. what I'm worried like, about is the fact that they, they seem to be using him as the pass catching back, which is decent in PPR if you can catch the ball, but he hasn't been able to catch the ball. So you've got Chris Carson who gets a majority of the work, and then when he's out, Davis gets the majority of the work. So I feel like those two are linked. Like that's the starter and the handcuff in some order. I would prefer to start Carson when he's healthy, and then if he's not, I'm going to start Mike Davis, and I kind of don't want any part of Rashad Penny because he's a flyer. He's never a guy I'm going to feel comfortable about putting in my lineup until he can show me a couple weeks in a row that he actually can sustain that starting job. And at this point, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's more one for next year. But, yeah, I, I avoid this if you can, people, because it's getting really kind of chippy and nasty. And finally, we're going to we're going to do it right now. We're going to do it live. Des Bryant signs with the Saints. Oh my god, burn all your fab budget. Do it. Go burn it. If you got that number 1 waiver priority, go use it. It's Des Bryant time. So since I've already started it, I'm just going to go ahead and do the positive, the the I love Des Bryant uh poem that I was reading uh yesterday and today. Uh Come on, it's Des Bryant. He's amazing. Oh, man, look at him catching the ball. and Oh, man, he's like, remember when he was with the Cowboys and he was awesome like three years ago? Oh, man, like he's going to come in. He's so much better than anyone else they have at this point. Like it's going to be Michael Thomas and Des Bryant. And you lower Michael Thomas now because he's going to have to deal with that. It's Des time again. I just, you throw away, you can throw away Cameron Meredith. You can throw away uh, Traquan Smith. Everybody just sit down. Like, it's Des Bryant time. That's what it is. Go blow that fat budget. Number one, uh, number one uh, waiver priority if you have it. Uh, Breeze is just going to be peppering Bryant with targets. And just, he, you know, and, and Bryant's good enough to where he's going to take full advantage of it. He's going to pick up, like, 20% target share from the day he walked in the building. It's the most important waiver claim of the year. That's, the, that's all the positives to the Des Bryant thing. It's this giant rolling tidal wave of optimism. That is just taking the internet by storm. That's that's the that's the pro. I feel like a lot of these people live in Texas that I'm reading right now. I feel like we should have switched roles on this because with the amount of sarcasm you threw into that, I mean everything you said was right except for the sarcasm. So I'm really my tone was was wrong. My tone was kind of bad. So my tone was kind of bad. Yeah. Really feel like I should have handled that aspect of it because what what am I supposed to say now? Because I I mean you know what I will do this. Here, no, you know what we'll do? You know what we'll do? That was the negative side. It was the positive side, just repeated sarcastically. And I'll do the, I'll do a couple of the actual negative stats that I know, which is, look, wide receiver two for the Saints hasn't been anything. Even when it was Ted Ginn, it's, it's like 18 targets. It's, it's, it's not anything over, like a series of games. It's not anything good. Traquan Smith is still going to play. Des Bryant is, is older, slow. He had foot problems before, stone hands. 
no route running ability, and the only thing that you're banking on to make it good is that he's got Drew Brees standing back there who can, in theory, make anyone look good, irrespective of how decrepit they actually are. There. How about that one? That, see, that the negative? see, you did that much better because that's what you actually believe. When in actuality... It is actually more along the lines of what I think, yeah. The, so look at Des Bryant's career, right? He had Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. Who would you rather have, either of those guys or Drew Brees? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Drew Brees. We're not going to go right. down this trap argument. So again. then look at his career in Dallas. Who has he played with the caliber of Michael Thomas? Oh, no one. Yeah. So he's now the number two option, not the number one guy like he has been his whole career. He's going to draw the number two corner. He's not going to be the one getting the safety over the top. Michael Thomas is. He doesn't have the breakaway ability. He doesn't have the burner speed. I don't care. If you run five yards down the field and catch the ball, that's all I want you to do. And in PPR, he can just rack those up, and I'm completely fine with it. I don't care if he scores deep touchdowns. I don't care if he goes over 100 yards. If he gives me seven catches for 50 yards a game, that's more than enough for than what I'm looking for in PPR. With you know how deep wide receiver is, I think he could be in that wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside area the rest of the season. They didn't sign him to not use him. Sean Payton's loved him forever. So I, I was surprised that they didn't go after him to begin with. And then when Ted Ginn went down... Traquan Smith has been hurt. Look, this is the same offense that had Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, and Willie Sneed. It's supported multiple guys before. They've spread the, the ball around a lot. And now because the other guys have just not been very good, quite frankly, it, uh, Michael Thomas has gotten a majority of the target share and a majority of the work there. And for someone to take the pressure off of Michael Thomas, I think helps him rest a season because now you can't just put seven guys on Michael Thomas in the secondary you have to actually focus on somebody else. I think it helps both guys. Not that Michael Thomas's value could go up much higher. Right, right. He's already borderline number one, so he's already in that conversation. But what I actually believe, by the way, because I went overly negative for the bit, but what I actually believe is all this. what this does for me is you don't need Cameron Meredith anymore, and if you want to hold on to Traquan Smith, fine. I get it. But... Traquan Smith, in my mind, now just became Devery Henderson or Robert Meacham to use some deep cuts for you Saints fans out there. Dez is going to come in into a, into a wide receiver two role for the Saints. My issue with it is I think you're going to have some weeks where it's very, very nice. And just because of the volatility of the Saints offense and how they kind of mix it up and like to run, it puts a cap on it. But in PPR, as to your point, I do like it more. Yes, yeah, standard, I don't care. Standard, I'm not really interested PPR, I get it, because he's going to be their quote-unquote possession guy uh, to do a lot of that stuff. And also, to your point, no one is going to be trying to – I don't think a lot of people are going to be rotating their coverage away from Michael Thomas to cover Dez. So for the Saints, it's a really good football move. But that being said, to your point from a minute ago, Drew Brees will be the best quarterback he's ever had. Yep. That's going to help it. I think where we agree is that, yeah, in PPR especially, it's something that you can feel good about playing is i would say a flex week in and week out for the most part and i think for you it's flex wide receiver three all the way to potential wide receiver two depending on how the chips fall correct i tell you what steve i see we got one last action item here let's bang them out let's do these let's do it all right let's, let's do it let's go here. rapid fire them trust me trust i'm asking you trust me or busts you make any kind of mistake and boom players to start is that a fish you can trust, or what? trust your instincts 
players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30! Alright, Neil, trust the bus. Coming from the app once again, at skirt. Marlon Mack or Deion Lewis, PPR? Uh, Deion Lewis, and I, I hate that that's my answer, but uh, Deion Lewis seems to have completely just cemented that job for himself, I think, after that performance he put up last yeah, week. Yeah, plus Mack against the Jags defense coming off the bye. That makes sense. Yep, yep. that's the other side of that. Uh, needs a wide receiver, and he wants to dr- uh, grab Calvin Ridley off of waivers should he drop nick chubb kenny galladay mitch trubitsky or the rams defense and stream defense rest of season well rams defense and i stream defense rest of season yep agree with you there uh let's see matt Breida, isaiah crowell or ito smith in flex half point ppr oh my god ito smith because it's cleveland yeah that's tough that's a hard one and it's all, but it's because PPR, half point PPR does sway it. But Crowell, he does. See, the problem with Edo Smith is he's either a six or a twelve if he gets in the end zone or not. I'm gonna go with Crowell at home against the Bills. You would, I would love to do that, but the Bills defense has been kind of staunch against the run, so that's what scares me off. That plus, if they get, if tell they, that if, to Jordan well, Howard. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's just a joke for us. Sorry, everybody. That's a that's an inside joke. All and every other Jordan Howard owner, I guess. Yep. Uh, uh, we'll split that one. I'm going Ito. You're going uh, Crowell. Uh, Kenny Galladay or MVS full point PPR. <sighs> I can't believe this is a question, and I can't believe I have to think about it. I'm going back to the well. I'm going back to Kenny Galladay one more time. And if Kenny Galladay gets shut down again completely, I'm going to start having some real concerns. I don't. I think I, I just. I have to go back to Kenny Galladay one more time. I just. I don't see how we can get that far down just yet. It depends on what you need. Like I said, Kenny Galladay is going to give you the more consistent production. MVS against a bad Dolphins secondary at home in a game they absolutely have to win. Uh, like I could definitely see him breaking a couple. If you need the big play guy, I'm going MVS. That's true. If you feel like I need a floor, like I need like a 10, 12, to make sure I get that though. I yeah, need that Galladay. to win. That's Galladay. But if I feel like I, I'm getting, I'm going to get stomped, that's where I could see flipping the script for sure and go scantling uh, if I need like a 20-something. Uh, let's see. This one's easy for me. I think you're going to say the same thing. David Njoku or Jimmy Graham PPR? David Njoku. Njoku all the way. Half point PPR, Tony Michelle or Nick Chubb? Uh, right now I go uh, Chubb. And it's, it's close, but I don't know if Michelle's going to be on a pitch count right. uh, is my concern. So I'm a little nervous about that because they have the bye next week. I was actually surprised when they said Michelle might play this week. Most teams would wait until after the bye. They would just give him the extra time off and just say, eh, we're good. We can win these games without you. So that's what I was expecting. So I'm a little thrown off by it. They have been talking about he might be on a snap count. And if he's on a snap count, then I want Chubb. I like that question because it's half-point PPR, and it's the two running backs on those teams that don't get the pass catches. Yeah, yeah, they don't catch. Yeah, they but don't I'm going to go with yeah. Nick Chubb because uh, against the Falcons, 
I'd much rather have yeah, him against the that. Falcons rather than going up against also the that. Titans on the road. I'm good with that. Uh, Evan Ingram or David Njoku? Uh, Njoku. Njoku again, yep. Uh, PPR, flex spot, Christian Kirk or Derek Henry? Uh, Christian, Christian Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, against the Christian Chiefs. Christian Kirk. Yeah. Christian Kirk against the Chiefs, yeah. absolutely. Standard, Sony Michelle, assuming he plays, or Deion Lewis? Again, Deion Lewis pitch count. Also, it's the same game, so... It's the same game, and I imagine that the Titans are going to probably be getting pounded, which means maybe not pounded, but they're going to be losing. So Dion Lewis should be playing a significant amount. So I go Lewis there. Yeah, but it's standard scoring, so his pass catching is going to help him. Oh, that's fair. That's that's fair. If he's not on a pitch count, then Sony Michelle. If he is on a pitch count, Dion Lewis still. Best player to add rest of season: David Moore, DJ Moore, Quincy Anunua, or Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. I'm going to go DJ Moore. That's, I mean, that's who it comes down to. I'm not really super interested in the rest of that list. I'm not interested but, really uh, in any of them, DJ but he's Moore, the guy that gives you the best opportunity at the most points every week. That's fair. It's just that I, I, I don't understand his usage vis-a-vis, like, what, what they – he just disappears. Yeah. So, I mean, it just it, – it, that is weird to me. So that's why I kind of lean the other way from it. I still don't know what to make of of him on that team yet full point ppr needs two of them jarvis landry against the falcons ty hilton against the jags larry fitz against the chiefs amari cooper versus the eagles Corey davis versus the patriots oh i'm going jarvis and uh larry fitz boy let's eliminate Corey davis for sure and ty hilton yeah, against yeah, the jags not- I don't want to play T.Y. Hilton. I got all kinds of T.Y. Hilton is bad against Jacksonville, especially because in every game, I'll do one. In every game, effectively, that they've both been on their respective teams, whenever these these two teams play, Jalen Ramsey shadows T.Y. Hilton and has done a tremendous job historically of that job. So that freaks me out about T.Y. Hilton this week. I think I'm going to go with you. I think Amari Cooper, given how they want to incorporate him in that and the fact that they could be throwing behind a bunch is interesting. But yeah. the Eagles is the best defense available of the three options out there, so I'm yeah. with you. Landry and Larry Fitz. That's where I'm going. Great matchups. Big Ben or Fitz Magic? Big Ben is playing on Thursday night against Carolina, correct? Correct. And the and the uh, the Bucks are playing at home against the Redskins on Sunday. Ooh, we'll do we'll do Fitz Magic. It's close though. I don't know. It's he's at home. home. It's like, home Ben. In, a, in, a, know, in what's, what's probably scary. a high-scoring game. In a game that they have to win. It's a separator game because Carolina is also trying to be a playoff team. Yeah. But I just yeah, am not. I'll go with Fitzmagic again. We'll see. I'm going with Fitzmagic. I'm, go, I'm, I'm going back to the to that one more time. MVS or Baldwin? Standard scoring. Oh, man. MVS. Baldwin has been brutal. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. This is more of a philosophy question. Seven and two heading towards the playoffs. Should I start handcuffing my running backs? I've got Todd Gurley and Zeke. <laughs> so Malcolm Brown and Zeke. I don't Rod know who Smith. you're gonna handcuff with. We've talked. We talked about it in the preseason. If you've got Todd Gurley, the greatest move you could possibly make is pick up John Kelly. Yeah, I'd go get John Kelly. Malcolm That's Brown is the pass catcher, do. and he will still have a pass catching role. But if Todd Gurley goes down, I am telling you right now. We saw yeah, it in the preseason. John Kelly, he's John Kelly is going to come in there, and he's going to be an RB1 if he gets that workload that they give Todd Gurley out there. 
So, yeah, if you can just throw him on the back end of your bench for cutting nothing, then I absolutely is doing nothing. that. Nothing. No one is doing this. Yeah, he's like 0.1% owned. Yeah. It's one of those things where he could get hurt tomorrow, and people would flock to pick up Malcolm Brown, and you could probably pick up it, – it's like uh, yeah. what we were talking about with Abdullah. No, yeah, you you could, could go totally out and pick up John that. Kelly without anybody noticing. He's one of those guys Probably. where he yeah. hasn't been and active even, all year because he up. plays the exact same way and is built the exact same way as uh, Todd Gurley. So why do they need two of those at once? Yeah, people haven't talked about him since like week three of the preseason or whatever it was. Like, so it's it's been a long time. Yeah, when, at this yeah, point when the Rams are like fourteen and one the last week of the season, by the way, John Kelly's going to be one of those guys that gets the start in week seventeen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. week seventeen, and he'll get yeah. yeah you'll pick him up and yeah he'll win he'll win somebody a championship when he puts up 42. Uh Marquise Goodwin to or Taylor Gabriel does not say PPR or not. Oh, mama. I'm going to go Taylor Gabriel uh, against the Lions. I'm going to go Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, I'm going Taylor Gabriel against the Lions. Streaming defense, Falcons D or Packers D. Falcons on the road against the Browns or the Packers at home against the Dolphins. It's a game they have to win. I'm going to Pack at home. Packers D, for the record, folks, on Fantasy Pros, uh, is their consensus number four streaming defense. I'm sorry, not streaming defense. Number four defense of the week, not just streaming. So I'll follow along and go with and go with the Packers. Packers D has been pretty decent, and recently they have looked bad because they've played the Rams and they played yes, the, yeah, uh, the, and Patriots. the Patriots. So, yeah, so I think that's a little I, misleading. Well, I view this as like a... I view some of this as a get-right game for right. everyone involved. I think that's what the Packers – I think the Packers should open this game. And, you know, normally when you get up on somebody by, like, 28 points, you would probably stop trying. And I don't think that happens in this game because I think they need to, to exercise some demons from the last couple of weeks and try and get back on track. So I have a feeling they might just absolutely house the Dolphins if they get a nice lead, especially early in the game. Uh, PPR, Christian Kirk or DJ Moore? Here's another one where PPR doesn't matter because these are the home run guys. Yeah, 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 and I'll take Christian Kirk. As will I. Uh, let's see, non-PPR trade question. So standard scoring, would you trade Mike Evans and Dalvin Cook for James Conner? His other wide receivers are OBJ and Tyler Boyd. Oh, I'm totally doing that. Right, like we talked about earlier. I think Conner's the guy rest of the year, so. I'm totally doing that. Oh, I'm doing that right now. If that's still something you can do, go to your computer and do it. Man, you would kill so many birds with one stone by accomplishing <laughs> right? that move. You got to do that. You get the headache of Mike Evans and Alvin Cook off your team for for a Senate. For, you, how are you, if you're listening to this, you need to turn this off right now and go, because we're leaving anyway. Show's over. So thank you for staying to the end. You got in right under the door. Go do that move. That Whoever is offering that to you loves. What, do you live in Tampa? The, the reason that's a discussion Somebody, is because of the Le'Veon Bell confusion. Because if Le'Veon, if yeah, you make that deal yeah, and Le'Veon Bell comes back and is the running back, you traded those two guys for nothing. For nothing, right? That's, that's, the, that's the I risk. guess I've just fervently believed. I but fervently yeah, again, believe so I'm strongly. I'm with you that, that James Conner has to be like the, it, the Bell just doesn't come back. That's it. Even if he comes it's, back, he doesn't come he's back, or even if he does, I don't care. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's like how am I gonna? I agree with you. To the extent Mike Tomlin has control over anything, it, that would be a career-ending decision, I feel like, where it's like, no, no, we got to go back to Bell. I feel like people would be – if you lost that game, I feel like people – the next I, like game I you said, lost I just it, feel, feel like, like you'd lose the entire locker room at that point. Yeah, 
I think they'd be out. People would be out. The fan base would be all fired up. Like it, it'd be bad. I think that's the way that it's a, it's a, it's a, your career as coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers might be over if you do that. So that would be a, that would be a tough one. So I, man, no, I, I'm, I'm totally going and trading that right now though. I agree. Right before the deadline. Definitely agree. I feel like that's a good move. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to everybody who, uh, shouted out in the app and got their questions in. We appreciate it. I do like that segment like that. Getting in the, the questions. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Let's, uh, I say we just, we just do that. Yeah, I think that, that way. That, that's a, it's a much better way to go about doing this. We get more, we get it, we get through it faster because you can just rapid fire yeah. the questions. All right, guys, but again, until next week, just keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense podcasts provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.